What up, though? Welcome to the Audio Trip Podcast. I am your host, JS. What's good, people? Last week, I took a week off. Brother was hurting, you know what I mean? I had to go get my vaccine on, y'all. I know it's a lot of people like, yo, why'd you get that, yo? Because I want to go places, yo. You know what I mean? I work. I got to get around. So, got my shot. Was down for a couple of days, but, you know, I'm back. And today, this is the last episode of the second season. I am ending with 10 this season. I'm ending with 10 and I am focusing on working on this album right now. And so I'm putting my everything into that. So I'm going to do the album and then I'll be back in the fall with season three. For right now, you know, it's all about trying to get this music, find my footing with this music. But it's going to be great. I'm at the final boss. I'm at the final boss of this game. We are here. This episode is going to be a great one. You're going to find out. You're going to find out who it is. After a word from our sponsor, check this out. How you doing? My name is Clifford Lemon, and I'm a chef here at the Creole House Restaurant and Oyster Bar in New Orleans, Louisiana, right off of Canal Street. And I am about to serve up some of the best seafood gumbo and a nice piece of French bread. I always pair it with one of P.P. John's famous brews. It goes so well with this nice Creole and Cajun food. P.P. John's malt liquor, Magnolia, Alabama. Drink responsibly. Oh, P.P. Hey there. Sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to invite you to be a VIP guest at Choco's Cafe, a new podcast hosted by me, Choco the producer and co-creator of Audio Trip Podcast. At the famous Choco's Cafe, the most interesting people from around the world stop by, and we have some deep and honest conversations. It's a vibe you don't want to miss. So go ahead and subscribe now to Choco's Cafe, available on your favorite podcast streaming platform, and be the first to know when doors are open. All right, now back to your audio trip. This week on the Audio Trip Podcast, we end our second season with the, I almost feel like this is the big boss of the video game. And I have finally got to the big boss of the end. I have an amazing, amazing jazz pianist, film composer, educator, artist, the Kennedy Center Artistic Director of Jazz, Jason Moran. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what's going on, brother? Yeah, Feels what's good. going on, brother? Hey, I, and that's how I felt. I felt like, man, I, I was like, man, I was telling the producer, I was like, man, I feel like this is the big, big boss of the game. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like this one, oh, I had man. to work up to it. Like, boy. No, no, I'm glad you're doing the work because, because, you know, it really, you know, in this time where people feel, you know, sometimes disconnected, just yeah. even the hearing that applause that you, that you put in there. Yeah. You know, like ways for people to share stories again. You know, we yeah. have to keep pushing on that button and making sure making sure it happens. So I appreciate being here. Yeah, man. This is my second season of of the Audio Trip podcast, and I tried to bring people that I was really into, and it was amazing how I almost feel like music. A lot of times, it takes us on our journey. If you are really into music, you follow your journey on the different stuff that you That's like, right. and it'll bring you to something else. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And mm -hmm. I'm a real firm believer of Bandcamp. And um, I was on Bandcamp one day, you know, one day, you know, I'm just going through music or whatever. And I seen your album cover, but the sound will tell you. I had mm -hmm. never heard of your music before. The first song 
was Toni Morrison said, black is a rainbow. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and brother, it put me in a mood. You know what I mean? It had put me in a mood. It had came up on, it was coming up on uh, the anniversary of my mother passing. Mm. Uh, mm -hmm. She passed last, last March or whatever. And, oh, wow. um, bless you. Bless and, you. Bless her. And it had put me, it just, it was just a mood of the song. And I was just like, I was like, wow. I'm like, who is this brother? Right. And from that point, I had just started listening to your music and I started going back and listening to music. And I was like, man, this brother is bad. And, well, um, and so I was like, man, I would really love to talk to him on the show or whatever. And I just found it out, you know, more and more, it was just so many layers. And I was like, damn, he does art too. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, and he's an educator. I was like, it was like, it was so many layers to you, brother. And I thought to myself at the end of the day, I was like, did God give him extra 24 hours in a day? How do you do it all? Well, I don't do it all. And I know people who would do it all, like Ava DuVernay, like, yeah. I feel like, how does she do it all? <laughs> but I know that she has a beautiful team of people around her that, you know, uh, that, that, that keep, they help roll the ball, you know? Yeah. And and I know that I, that part of the things I've been able to accomplish over the years are because of the tribe, you know, and, yeah. and the importance of the tribe. And whether it's my mother, my father, my brothers, you know, my children, my wife, you know, and then all the musicians that I work with and artists and people I've never met, you know, yeah. um, that somehow make an impact. So when you get out here to make the work, then you don't feel like you have to do it by yourself. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes that has been the lie sold to us is that you got to do it by yourself. Meanwhile, you don't have to start over. Mm -hmm. You know, Toni Morrison wrote those books for a reason, not for you just to get some entertainment out of it. It's for yeah. you to learn something from it, to take another step. So I feel, you know, part of the blessings of being able to even live through this last year and a half, you yes. know, means there's more work to do and to meet people like you who continue to find other ways for the work to get out to, to an audience and as this all evolves in 2021. Yes. We grew up around the same time. As, as you know, growing mm -hmm. up, you love hip hop. And growing mm -hmm. up, my father, my father, my grandfather, everybody was heavily into jazz. Mm -hmm. It was something that my father listened to. But as I got older, dealing with hip hop and hearing samples, it made me like, man, this is it got right. me more into it. And I just yeah. learned to have that love for jazz at that point. Yeah. Your latest album, Milford Graves, mm -hmm. I, I, I found it. I, like I had never like see how one thing takes you to another. I had never heard of him yeah. and yeah. how you explained it. It just intrigued me so much. I'm sorry to hear about his recent passing. Yeah. Yeah. Just how you described going into that basement with your son. I was mm -hmm. just like, wow. I was yeah. like, I, was, and I don't know if you saw pictures of the basement. You know, if you yes. look around online, you can yes. see photos of Milford Gray's basement. And it's the cat is a laboratory, you know. Um, I mean, he is a laboratory, but he, he works from a laboratory. that. But it just combined practices, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes when we're learning about music, we really think it's just it all happens in the studio, behind the board, behind yeah. the MPC, or behind the microphone. Yeah. And part of that's true, but that's the culmination of the moment. That's not that's not the research, yes. right? That's not the life that then culminates in that two hours or six hours you spend in the studio to make the record. It, so being in a place where an artist like Milford Graves and many other people I've met over my life who kind of really pull it all into, in, into a space for the work to interact with one another. I mean, that was what he said about his garden. He yeah. says, I plant I plant plants next to each other that should not be next to each other. So he was even trying to get rid of the segregation in the garden. Yeah. You know? like, yeah. Yeah. He wanted to see, I want to see what happens with that, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, yes. You know, like that's, that for me is a music lesson and yeah. uh, how we sometimes segregate our, our minds around, oh, I listen to this, I don't listen to that, you know? Mm -hmm. And the way people kind of treat, I mean, you know, we travel around the world playing this music so you hear how jazz and let's say how black music yes. is regarded in all kinds of ways disregard or regard across the world and there's something in the fabric of the chemistry of why it hits people in a way that makes them like oh i need to hear more yeah. franklin <laughs> yeah. oh i need to hear more billy holiday oh mm -hmm. i need to hear more duke ellington you know or whomever yeah. I, or, you know like dmx yeah Right, they bring in his casket 
to to uh, the Barclays Center, and I don't know if you saw it. It's on a huge monster truck, like probably what? about twenty five feet in the air. <laughs> what? <laughs> so they roll like casket. You know, DMX is rolling in. You know, he's ready to hit the steps up above. He's already halfway there in this monster truck because there's something about what he planted in yeah. those songs yeah. that you just. I mean, you know, when he passed. The way New York sounded, you know, mm-hmm. like hearing people on the street playing it out of their car. Yeah. Like hearing X, like crying. Saw the cars were crying, you know, yeah. with his sound saying, what? You know, like yeah. across the city. And it was, I mean, there's something about what we feel we understand in the music and the things we don't understand in it. But what it does is it charges us as listeners. And, yeah. you know, I like, I like being around people who do that, who charge up their environment. So then when they hit the studio, the stuff is fertile. Wow. Yeah, that's yeah. Just just hearing about it and hearing about how you were saying how him recording the heartbeats. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is these things that just makes different stuff about people where you just like, wow, it's almost like a mad scientist yeah. musically. Yeah. 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 And I was just th- and just thinking of just, just hearing the story of of him being as you know with the drumming or whatever because i had never heard anybody make sounds why why they played i that that was that was the first time i've ever heard that in my life you know what i mean yeah and, but, I was, yeah, but, is, yeah. it, but it's interesting it was so interesting i'm like yeah. but it didn't take away from the music at all either yeah there's a beautiful documentary i really would suggest people mm-hmm. see it's called mm-hmm. uh full mantis and it's on you can see it on apple music uh Okay. But Full Mantis, and it really—I mean, it's about Milford Graves, and it really dives into his life and his his process and the things that intrigue him, and really how he found a way to to utilize that—I don't know—that curiosity about things. Mm-hmm. And you know, when you're talking about him now, it just made me think of—you know—like to a degree, like he's like a George Washington Carver or yeah. Charles Drew. You know, people who dealt with like the possibility of the body, the possibility of a plant. And they found usages of it that people were sure, like, eh, that ain't going to turn into nothing. But meanwhile, yeah. <laughs> you know, it unlocks a whole other, you know, when you talk about, like, get to the big boss, like, you you unlock another world. Oh, I went, I, I hit the code right, and now I'm into another <laughs> yeah. world. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of yeah. what, what, you know, like, really great artists are able to do, no matter what they do. You know, it could be the preacher on a Sunday or a Wednesday night that does that, that unlocks it in, in a congregation. It could be somebody who called, their call to prayer. Yeah. You know, that you're like, oh, yes, let me hit the mat right now and send it up. So Allah, you know, so people, yeah. when music, music is like that. Music is like, for me, it really, I don't know, it, it can unlock things in people that they need unlo- help unlocking, but they don't know how to get to it yet. Yeah. So the reason that we become musicians is because we think like, oh, you know what? I have something that works for me and it might work for you too. Mm. And we put it and we put it out. We don't know who's going to like it, who's not going to like it, who's going to hear it, who's not going to hear it. Yeah. And uh, that is almost like secondary to I need to share this, even for the 100, 250, 30 people who might interact with it. And then, you know, and then and then we see where it goes from there. That's interesting. So basically it's like you make it, you make it for what comes out of you. But yeah. once it yeah. gets out into the world, it's like we have other people yeah. like it also. It was wild because I was... Um, you know, I'm going down my YouTube hole last night. Found the video with you and uh, Robert Glasper, uh, mm-hmm. and, like the dueling pianos, right? I forgot yeah, where y'all was at, uh, right? And so, oh, in Italy, yeah, yeah, it was in Italy, living right? that good life. And so, <laughs> I, I, so I sent it to my dad last night because right? you know he, it's like he's always sending me <laughs> a video about right. something. So I'm like, no, I'm doing this shit to you now. Here, here, <laughs> you, you check this out, right? So we always battling back and forth because right. you know my dad, he, he is taking me to see Miles Davis, just every, you know, oh, wow. bad brains, Beautiful. living color, just oh, my yeah. whole life. Yeah. Probably the right. day he take me to see everybody. So I'm like, here, you, yeah, you check this out, right? He's like, and so he. Right. Yeah. So he can never, he can never say Robert Glasper. He's like, oh yeah. So who is this guy with Robert Glassley? I'm like, dad, that's, that's Jason. I'm like, yo, that's Jason Moran, right? Why do dads do that? Why do dads do that? I mean, I got kids and now I hope I don't mispronounce things as much as my dad did. My dad used to say like, what's that y'all playing that Nintendo? Oh, <laughs> you know? God, yeah. Like, when does your language just stop working? At what age? You know what I mean? 
it's like we was it's like i was watching and i called him today and i was like yo what did you put in the piano mm, mm, and, and right, it yeah. made it like it was i don't know what it was but i was like yo it was so dope i was telling my dad he's like i didn't even know what that was i thought he put some some wood in there i'm like i, I nothing yeah, dad. I, like, yeah. I, I, yeah, I just asked any, him anything that was around we had bottles we had wallets we had phones keys you know some, it's called prepared piano. Mm-hmm. Um, the technique is where you, you put things on top of the strings and then that'll muffle the strings. And depending on what the object is that you put on the strings, then it'll make the piano, it can make the piano kind of like sound like different things. Wow. I think one of the first, maybe one of the kind of first, I don't know, it's, it's, I did a version of Planet Rock. Uh, yeah, yeah, I heard it. yeah, I heard it. Yeah. yeah, so that was like my attempt to, you know, the planet, I mean, a prepared piano had really been kept in a, contemporary classical world uh with people like john cage yeah. a composer and but i was like nah but you, nah you can make beats with this <laughs> so i was like yeah. let me do like a hip-hop standard you know planet rock and and really like set the song up in, on a solo piano record yeah. um so part of what rob and i do is we because we you know we like you said we're from a beat generation yeah. and um so we want to also you know contribute our own homage to all the beat makers that have influenced us, you know. It just keeps that connection alive just between hip hop and jazz. I love it because yeah. It, yeah. I mean, who doesn't listen listen to both musics? You know what I mean? So it just mm-hmm. it just brings mm-hmm. everything together. I really wanted to ask you this. Can you tell me the theme of gangsterism on? Mm. <laughs> gangsterism on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I, well, cause probably, I yeah, yeah, yeah. So many songs. <laughs> So I was like, right, so I have a lot of songs named about gangsterism. And I mean, the, the title itself emerges from a Jean-Michel Basquiat painting called mm. Hollywood Africans. And it was, I used to have, a, I had a poster of that when I got out of college and I kept it on my door. Mm. And at the bottom right of this painting is he wrote the word gangsterism. So I kind of always saw this, you know, mm. right after I was getting out of school. Also, I was, I was making my first records on Blue Note Records. Yeah. So I wrote this song. But I knew I, I knew it wasn't my song. <laughs> I uh-huh. knew I was hearing someone else's song in my mind. And that song was a song by my teacher, Andrew Hill. He wrote a song called Irato, E-R-A-T-O. Okay. And so, but when I, I wasn't around the record, you know, this was before you could have your phone and had a thousand songs on it. <laughs> yeah. You know, so look, I left the record in New York. I was in Houston and I, I mm-hmm. had no way to hear it. So I just did what I did with it. And then I came back and then I heard Andrew's record. And I was like, ooh, that's kind of close to Andrew's song. But I was like, well, I'm just going to be gangster with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm going to call it gangsterism on canvas, you know, yeah. even though I even though I know my teacher knows this is his song, you yeah. know. Um, and so then I did subsequent versions where I treated that one theme as a seed, you know, mm. that you could kind of recompose for different environments. So there's gangsterism on irons, gangsterism over, you know, on stages, gangsterism on the rise, gangsterism on irons. Over and over and over, I make all these. Yeah, gangsterism, but it's kind of like a composition assignment for myself. Yeah, that's dope. That's dope because I would, yeah. as I would listen to one album, then I get, I was like, oh, hold up, this is not the same. Oh, okay, this one is on wood. All right, and so right. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. or this one is on the river. Like, okay, all right, yeah. so yeah, so yeah. but but yeah. I thought it was dope because I was like, all right, yeah, it's, it's like every album, it's like it just it's making it your own. So that that was dope. Yeah. I, I really like that. Yeah. I wanted to ask, how do you like? I know I noticed that you compose a lot of films. Uh, music mm-hmm. for a lot of films. Which one has been the most challenging for you? I, mean, I got you know, be honest, I think they're all challenging because it's not the process that I work at. You know, I'm yeah. an improviser. So I'm I'm addicted to making something up on the spot and then letting it hit the wind and then moving on, you know? Yeah. But when you're working with film, you you know, you're making something that goes stamped onto the film, onto the image, onto the dialogue, the costume, the lighting. So you're making the sound. So whatever you put there, it stays. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and so trying to, with each director, figure out what, what is the right, you know, or what feels good is it's a hard, long process. Uh, so I have a lot of respect for film composers who really are able to do it really well because it does take a, a lot of time and a lot of craft and a lot of flexibility, too. Yeah. So with Ava DuVernay, I think she offered, you know, the the kind of a big step when we did Selma because not only was it her first big budget film and we're tech, you know, like looking at 
MLK's legacy. Yes. But then it was like my first time going to, you know, write a kind of a, a, a long feature length score. I don't know. I think, you know, the, the beautiful part was that we were discovering the process together, her and I, and also cinematographer Bradford Young. I mean, it was a crew of all, like us who were kind of like about to walk through a door. Um, yeah. And, but it's, I got to tell you, the hardest part about working on those films is, especially the stuff working with Ava, because Ava doesn't flinch mm. at the hard image, you know? So, like, doing the 13th, yes. 13th is hard to to work on. I mean, you can yeah, watch sure. it, but to work, it means you have to watch scenes possibly a thousand times. So you got to watch the oh. death a thousand times. You have to, to, you know, and so, look, I during the process, I would always write Ava and other people on the team would be like, How's everybody doing? Because psychologically, this will mess you up. I mean, mm-hmm. and parts of my body still hold, still hold the scars. I think from working on those projects because it, yeah. you know, it, you know, you know that this is the this is the kind of work that that needs a delicacy, but it also is painful to to digest. But you know, people need to see it, so you go through it to make sure that people get the get the get the vision or they get the history, uh, so that they don't make the same mistakes. Or they see the mistake as it's coming up the road, you know. Yeah. Um, but I, but I do love it. But it is a, it is a, it is a hard, hard work. <laughs> I don't know if I would be able to sit and watch the same <laughs> scene. Oh, yeah, it's hard. Like forty yeah. times in. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, at least yeah. But you know, like there's something with anything. You know, it once you get into the groove of it, then you're like, yeah, you feel it. Yeah. Another part I love about it is. Is because you are, it forces you to compose quickly, you know, mm-hmm. and you have to compose a lot of material. Not not all of the material is going to fit with the scene, so then you have kind of stuff that hangs off, you know. So yeah. I'd say a few of those songs on the sound will tell you were pieces that I had written over the past year that were supposed to be could have been for other film projects, but just didn't get placed. But I was like, but this is still my jam, though, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I need to place this somewhere, so I'll put it on this record, you know. And uh, so this, you know, like so it kind of like you know kind of gets the, the composition blood flowing, and I like that part about making making short themes, you know. Nah, that's dope. Just to have that much music in you, mm-hmm. and just dealing with the art at the same time. How do you say? Do you have a way where you like today? I feel like creating music, or today Ooh, I feel yeah. like doing art. Yeah, I wish I had that that kind of. Um, I'm an Aquarius, so yeah. unfortunately, um, routine is not mine. <laughs> like I work another kind of way, but but I also know when the right moment is. You know, Toni yeah. Morrison likes to talk about waking up early in the morning before her, her kids woke up to write. You know, mm-hmm. uh, so many of her novels come from this early hour, the silent hours before the house wakes up, and for me. You know, because there's always a ton of other stuff going on. So if you're raising kids, you know, my kids are twins are 13 now. They're yeah. you know, about to hit high school. So they have their own needs. My wife has her needs. Yes. We're all doing this stuff in the house. It kind of was easier when I was going on the road because then I could focus on, I'm on the road, I'm doing this one thing. You yes. know? But now, you know, it really does take a like a concerted effort to finish parts of the projects that kind of come up to the front of the table. Yeah. And um, I don't know, you know, it's kind of inch by inch. Someone said pretty accurately that I'm sometimes like, you know, like that, that circus act that has 12 plates spinning on like all yeah. these sticks. That you're yeah. trying to hold. <laughs> like, like sometimes it feels like that. But, um, you know, I think I, I just keep my fingers crossed that I can get to the finish line on some of these projects and that they're still good, you know? Yeah, because I'm just like, wow, I, because I didn't even I didn't know about the Milford Graves album mm-hmm. until I had just went back to Bandcamp after I was just doing my research again. I was like, I didn't even know this came out. I didn't even yeah, know it came yeah. out. Yeah, there's a that's a thing that I think artists we all have to figure out, which is how do we want to let people know? Yes. Or you know, or as artists, how do we just nah, I gotta keep going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it takes a lot of energy when you become your own publicist. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't sometimes have all that, you know. Um yeah. even like say right now, like we're gonna have at the Kennedy Center in a few weeks I'm gonna have a, a book club. I'm starting one. And so the first book we're reading is Jazz by uh Tony Morris. Yeah, by Tony Morris. And yeah. you know, and so just just 
just even people being like, "Oh shit, I ain't know Tony Morrison wrote a book called Jazz." <laughs> like, I, I didn't. I didn't until I seen it on your Instagram. I didn't either. Yeah, I didn't, that's what I'm saying. So, but look, so then I feel all right. I'm like, okay, great. It could be great if records come out and people don't know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Tony Morrison wrote a book called Jazz, and you know, so yeah. like even Glassman was like, "Oh shit, man, I have to get that." I didn't know Tony Morrison had a book yeah, called Jazz. I, I didn't know it. I yeah, so there's, so there's a there's there's something about like. So we just have to keep making it. You know, you got to yeah. make a canon. You got to make a catalog. And, and when that time is right, then people find, find it. I, yeah. I have great, you know, I don't know, trust in the atmosphere that that will happen, you know. But you do have to make it and then and leave it up like a library. Somebody come check out the book every once in a while and I'll be satisfied with that. Look, you know? look at me. <laughs> Look, I, I am your example of what you just said. <laughs> I didn't know, but I found it. Great. You know what I mean? I, 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 I found it though. Yeah. So I uh, that exact example of that. Uh, what is the reason for not including your music on Spotify or Apple Music? Well, I mean, I have nine records on those streaming sites, and they were done with Blue Note Records. Okay. Um, and that was because that was a uh, let me. I can say that's an early part of my career. Mm-hmm. Um, and once we parted ways, a very uh, mutual parting of ways too with Blue Note. Um, mm-hmm. After 18 glorious years making whatever kind of record I wanted with them, it was amazing. I thought, well, but there was something that was in the power of black ownership yeah. of black sound, mm-hmm. and and if you do that, then you also have the power to price it the way you want too. Yeah. And so Spotify does offers no price. One, Apple Music sets a price on you too. Now, mm. when I was growing up, and you were growing up, yep. you could buy a tape for six ninety nine, yep. right? Yep. Now, huh? Now everything in the world has gone up uh, in inflation, mm-hmm. <laughs> the inflation calculator from nineteen eighty five. Yeah. So here we are, forty nearly forty years later, and still my music is going to be six ninety nine. Though it costs more to make it, yes, right, more yes. to learn it, you know, but it costs the same. I I can't abide by that. Not me. Yeah. So I thought to keep it on Bandcamp and really and I and look and I feel like honestly I think every once a week I probably wake up and be like, JC doing the dumb thing, keeping it on Bandcamp, <laughs> charging twenty dollars, you know, uh, and not streaming every, letting everybody listen to the whole record. But I was like, no, nah, I'm just going to try to hold on to this really stubborn <laughs> yeah. mentality that, that I want people to find the music, but I don't want, I want people to also know that it really cost me a lot to do this. Yeah, it is a value. And that I have yeah. A, yeah, and I have a value on it and, and respect it because I'm not charging a hundred. Yeah. <laughs> and something has happened in society that says you can pay for everything else. But what music offers you, you should get as close to free as possible. Mm. I don't know. You wouldn't do that with a plane ticket, you know? You wouldn't do it with your gear. You wouldn't do it with your car. You wouldn't do it with your hair, you know? I don't know. So how did music become the thing? And the last part is the history of how... Black musicians have been robbed by the recording industry ever since its inception. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Is my last biggest reason. It's like, nah, I'm going to make the rule for myself and I will deal with any success or failure associated with it. And I'll take that on. But I'm not going to let anybody else hold chips. Not for right now. Yeah. So I feel confident in, in keeping it there. And I think Bandcamp offers artists something back to them and that's really important for us you know yeah i um you know a lot of guests that i've had on the show say that bandcap is a a very important forum because Mm -hmm. it puts you in touch with the fans also and if you would know that people want to purchase your music so yeah i think that is so dope yeah. Because I, yeah. I find a lot of artists on Bandcamp. So, mm-hmm. no, no, mm-hmm. I think that is, and you know, the crazy thing is, like, right now, you, you know, I do music and I am working on my first project, right? And so, nice. me having to pay uh, session session musicians, right? Right. <laughs> this shit costs money. Um, and, <laughs> yo, so, so listen, Jason, I understand you charging yeah. this money yeah. because I'm thinking to myself, like, dang, 
I'm like, I yeah. ain't got another damn two hundred dollars. Like, I, like, right. I, I got to go yeah. back to work. You know what I mean? It's so, deep. yeah, yeah. So, deep. so no, I understand everything has a cost. So when you think of somebody yeah. getting it for free, you're like, nah. Yeah. I spent a lot of money. Yeah. Not alone money, but time. And yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And going through these yeah. days. So no, that's that's very important, man. So yeah, I, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want us. You know, because I because I value sound. Yes. I value sound. Yeah. And and I know how important and clear. And I see it around the world how important the sound that comes that comes from musicians, how it's being used. Yes. And it 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 is of such value. Now, America doesn't really ever really want to pay you for that. Mm. And and so they've tricked the whole system into thinking that you don't have to pay for it. Not only because they don't want you to pay for music, yeah. but they don't want you to really care about art in general. Yeah. I mean, dance, I mean, filmmaking, I mean, you know, art, I mean, literature, I mean, all this, you know, yeah. they think that's a luxury item. So mm. therefore it doesn't need, you know, any kind of sustenance. We should take it out of schools. We don't need more of them, you know, yeah. um, they, <laughs> so I just want people to kind of like just check their own relationship to it when they arrive at my page. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and anyone can always send me a note, be like, yo, Jay, man, I can't really afford the record, bro. <laughs> you know, can you send me a code? <laughs> of course. <laughs> I am not that guy. That's the thing about banking. You can actually write the person yeah. and ask. <laughs> yeah, like, yo, like, man, I had to buy food this week, man, but I really want your album. Come on, Jason. Come on, man. Yeah, let me get let me get half of that record right quick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Give me five songs, man. I'll see, I'll right. see five fifty. Like, damn. <laughs> yeah. No, man. Yeah. No, that, that's that's totally true, though, man. I uh, I noticed how just from going overseas and stuff, seemed like they appreciate the music a lot more. I hate to say mm. than than a lot of places in the United States. And it, you know it's it's messed up. I, well, you know, like I live I live in Atlanta now, and um, mm-hmm. I think Atlanta still have you. You can still have jazz shows here in Atlanta because I've oh, been yeah. to yeah. Okay. So you know it's yeah. a it's a it's a nice following here in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. Russell Gunn down there. Yeah, you got some good people down there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I think it's a it's a nice following here. But I know you I know you cannot wait to perform again. Yeah. And, and be in yeah. front of people. I miss going to shows so much. You know what yeah. I mean? Just this whole year, yeah. like God. Yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah. And it's it's strange. You know, at the beginning of the pandemic, I would have dreams mm-hmm. about shows and not even playing them, but just going to a show where I remember one dream was I saw Kenny Garrett's band playing. You know, okay. like in the club or. I was at this other festival and was walking out of the venue with like about a thousand people with no masks on, right? Yeah. And the third place I went to is I went. I remember one other place I went was like a huge church on Sunday, like 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 a Easter Sunday, like like yeah. women with beautiful big hats on, right? Uh-huh. But then in the basement in the church was a sushi restaurant, you know, and there was an old brother in there. He was, he was, he wow. was doing it, you know, he was sashimi, sashimi it up, <laughs> you know. Um, so, there, you know, like there was, so I was in these spaces of gathering, yeah. you know, in my dream state, because we could not do it in the waking state. And uh, I was thankful for those dreams because it did keep me in touch with, you know, like what it felt like to be around and, you know, hear something together. Yeah. And it's coming back, you know. It's coming back slowly, but it will come back. Yeah, I see that they having uh, concerts and festivals in New Zealand right now, and I'm like, man, right. must be nice, right. you know. I, I'm hoping must be, nice. <laughs> must be must be nice, man. I wish I can go around people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Can yeah. I get a good food truck and a and a beer just yeah. to walk around? You know, I remember, you know, every year Atlanta had jazz festivals. Yeah, yeah, not right. these past right. two years. It's like, yeah, God, yeah, like man. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping though. I'm hoping. Just your ability to compose music like you do. How do you come up with all these just the patterns and the notes? What, what is your mm-hmm. process? You know, I, I, I mean, I guess the, for me, it mostly emerged from studying other composers. Mm kind of like learn how to draw a circle, you know, with sound. Like, oh, okay, so this pianist, he did this, you know. Yeah. McCoy Tyner, he made this kind of song. 
well, okay, he made the left hand feel like a mountain. Damn, how can I do that? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, at some point, then you, you know, you riff on ideas of other people. And then over time, then you feel you're like, oh, well, I think I have my own idea that I want to put down on paper. It's a challenge. It probably is maybe one of the biggest challenges. I remember one of my teachers, actually back to Andrew Hill, he said to me once when I was talking about this, this hesitance to write some some of my compositions down. And he said to me, Jason, you're just afraid to look in the mirror. You know, mm-hmm. so when, because when you write it down, it's staring back at you. And I was like, mm-hmm. he was, he hit it on the head about what it is about to, to, to write a composition down. And I also think for when we then sit at the piano, or when I do, it, it, it just, it, it's charged. The piano is charged with energy mm-hmm. waiting to be unleashed, but you got to unleash it. And so sometimes the, the, the riff or the, the chord change or the beat, they emerge from just spending, you know, 40 minutes just playing. And then in the 38th minute, you'll hit the idea. And you're like, oh, there it is. Yeah. Um, and you write it down. Sometimes it's fast, sometimes it's not. But once you then, you know, it's kind of like cooking, like when you reduce a sauce or something. Mm-hmm. Once you find it, you're like, okay, so now I'm going to reduce that and let it just sit in the skillet for a while. Let that rue build or whatever, you know. Yeah. Then it becomes like, oh, okay, there you go. Now I got the base of it. And uh, and then from that point, anything can be put on top of it. You know, yeah. I want shrimp and sausage, you know, or whatever, you know. And then it, uh, so that's how I feel like composition emerges, is it, it, it emerges like a piece at a time. You know, sometimes it's just the garnish, and then yeah. the entree comes, you know, or, or the other way around. But it's each time, it never feels like I know what I'm doing. It always feels mm. fresh when it starts, which feels good. Is it like a mode or is it like I'm about to do a score for a movie? Is it like a mode that you think like at different times just because it's a different? It, mm-hmm. Well, you turn on you turn on a part of your mind that says, I'm going to save everything, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, like a lot of times, like, you know, we could be just, you know, like you, you live life and you're just kind of moving through it. But then now if you just actually consciously said to yourself, no, nah, I'm going to remember everything I said for the next two hours. That means you'd have to keep something around you. Yes. It could be your phone on voice memo. It could be a pad that you write the ideas down on. And when you do that, you're starting to document everything. You're starting to leave a trace. You're starting to leave the trail back to the, the genesis of the idea. Mm. And so when I'm going into composition mode, it's like, okay, turn on the save everything button in your brain or whatever device is around you. And now let's, let's start pulling the ideas closer and closer together. Interesting. That's interesting because I I just know it's like mine's I'm always when I'm driving, Mm -hmm. when I'm driving on the road, I'm on the road a lot, just driving for work or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I always just think of stuff then right then. And then I'm grabbing my phone, recording it like, all right, I'm just going to keep that. I I wait till I get get home. I wait till I get home at the computer. Then I like out and I work it all out or whatever from there. So that's interesting that it all fits that way. Just like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And also, I guess the beautiful part is you never can control when the really good idea is going to come. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you, know, you yeah. never know. And, and and for us, like, that's gold, you know. Yeah. That's what keeps us waking up. It's like, oof, what, what might emerge today, you know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's that and then just seeing the final picture yeah, and make sure. Because yeah. I can think of something and I'm like, oh, this is a great idea. And then I work it into a song and like, oh, this does not sound good. <laughs> <laughs> that happens, yeah. <laughs> that happens. And it, it made me see, like, okay, this is why people do a whole bunch of songs for an album and they don't use but part of them. This is yeah. why. Like, this is yeah. why. You know, so it's like you yeah. learning. you learning at the same time. Like, God, this is why. You know yeah. what I mean? Everything, yeah. every idea ain't good. You know what I mean? Every idea yeah. is yeah, so that's it. That's it. That's it. That's you know? It. Everyone but, you is, know, you could treat it like, uh, like pop music. Yeah. They just play them bad ideas on the radio twenty four seven for four months, and then all of a sudden you're like, "Yeah, that song is great." You're like, it's really well, not. okay. It's really <laughs> no, they, 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 they brainwashed you into thinking that was great. Hey, it's like listening to my kids' music, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, Dad, listen to this. Like, ah, right, son, this ain't it. This is not it. That's not it. (laughs) This is not it. Don't let them tell you that's it. Yeah. So I guess they just go in there, one one take, one take. Let's do this. Like, no. Like, no. Like, yeah. yeah. And and my son would be like, yeah, he just freestyled that whole thing, Dad. Yeah, I I can see. I can see he did. 
I can see right. you did that. Yeah, that's the value. Hey, look, you know, but that's also like that's the value that improvisation still lives in our culture that way. Yeah. Look, I'm thankful for that. You know that <laughs> yeah. that people still even you know like that they still feel like that's a thing that they can do. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, meanwhile, yeah. like there are composers out here who have to write something all the way down. Then they got to give it to 40 musicians in the orchestra to play it. They got to pay for all those musicians, right? So that yeah. we still feel an ownership of the moment because that's what we have. Yeah. We can't promise what six months I can get enough money to get the orchestra here. Nah, you know, I'm going to come with my story. And I'm going to say it right here on this first take. Yes. <laughs> and then I yeah. got to go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's power, too. I still give it up to folks because we need that. We need that as an option, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say my piece and I'm out, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> See, but you know what? You know, and, but you know, hey, they, they think it's great. My son, <laughs> they, yeah. hey, hey, they always come downstairs like, check this out. Like, uh, right. Like, oh, that, but you know what? That's pride. That's beautiful. Yeah. Because they have pride in, yeah. in sound. You know what I mean? You know, hey. My kids, I, I might say they haven't really found what kind of music they really, really like it, or at least yeah. they haven't shared it with me. Yeah. But, um, uh, but I'll be glad if they feel like they have some pride in it. You know? <laughs> man, hey, man I, hey, I got a, I got a 20 year old, uh, 18 year old. Mm and a four-year-old and so oh yeah. yeah so 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 hey so the two oldest one they're like yeah check this out. i knew you would like this one because it got a horn in it like no what is it, what is it? Like, no yo. no no i don't like this i love it it's got a horn i knew you would like I this one it got like a that. horn it got a horn sound for in it no nah i'm sorry <laughs> nah i'm sorry you know, this ain't, this ain't, this ain't doing it for me, son. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, go I ahead. You know, <laughs> go ahead, man. But yeah, but uh, Jason, I got a part of my show that is called Three Questions, and mm. I'm gonna go to it right now. Here we go. Brother Jason. All right. What was the first tape or CD that you ever purchased? And what was the Ooh. last? Oh, the first one was uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Bought it in sixth grade with my own money that I was supposed to spend on my middle school trip to Washington, D.C. <laughs> but I went down the street and bought DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Their first record. I don't even remember the name of the first record. Uh, what is the one. name? So, yeah, it wasn't uh, He's the DJ, I'm the Rapper. The one right before that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I, whatever record that was, that's yeah. what I bought first. The last thing I bought, actually, I bought a, <laughs> I bought a record yesterday by some students who just graduated from New England Conservatory called Birthday Ass. <laughs> mm. And uh, this, they're, they, yeah. The, so that's the last thing I bought. Um, literally, and I was listening to it uh, this morning. Um, so that, yeah. So DJ Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince and Birthday Ass. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Question two. What is your favorite Prince album? Ooh. Ooh. Man. Okay. Mm. Well, I'm going to say uh, Purple Rain for a lot of reasons. Because, um, well, compositionally, well, oh, damn, I can't even say that because then I think about all the compositions on the next couple of records <laughs> after that. <laughs> Let me just say, I'm going to say Purple Rain for a lot of reasons. I'm going through puberty and hearing that, right? And yeah. seeing the movie also, which was racy for, I think, my age as yeah. of when I saw it. Uh, but also watching him and his troubled relationship, not, to put it on screen, his troubled relationship with music itself, with his family. Um, and then he found kind of like, it almost felt like a journal to approach all of this through those songs. Um, mm. But yeah, I, yeah, something about Purple Rain and that, that ballad, that power ballad, you know, yeah. it's killer. Yeah, yeah I always, I always I, I ask this question as one of them because no, it's hard. No, who can pick a favorite yeah. Prince album? <laughs> but I put it, I yeah, it. yeah. I put it for that one feeling that you got in your head when I asked right. you, like, what? I, I don't, uh, uh, yeah, that's a, that's, that's the reason. <laughs> that's the reason. Uh, okay. What is your favorite movie? Ooh, ah, that's easy actually. Uh, favorite movie is a movie uh, called Killer of Sheep. <laughs> 
by Charles Burnett. Mm-hmm. And he made it as a, you know, like a kind of a graduation project uh, in the 70s. And I think he was at USC or UCLA film okay. school. It's in Watts, shot it in Watts, but I had never seen anything on film that was like the drama that felt like actual black neighborhood. Hmm. The way, just the way it feels, the way it sounds. And Killer of Sheep, he couldn't show it for years because mm-hmm. he could get rights to, the, he couldn't afford the rights to the music that he so beautifully places in it. Um, it's not a score, he just uses songs. But it's my favorite film. Just, it's just a family uh, in Watts, in the neighborhood. And all the funny stuff that we know our neighborhoods have. Yeah. All the people in it, the stuff they say. But Charles Burnett is a real, he's a real genius in the film world. You know, quite unknown. Well, actually, he ain't unknown. He's, he's a genius. Yeah. <laughs> he's a genius. And I think when, if you see it, Killer Sheep, ooh, yeah. you know, he, he just, it's black and white, you know, us in the 70s. It's just, it's, it's poignant and, and, and raw and, and brand new and necessary. Man, I'm going to have to check that out. I've never heard it. I never heard yeah, about it, man. Yeah, that that yeah. and that is rare that somebody say something. I've never heard it, so I'm I'm gonna have to check that yeah. out. Killer sheep. Yeah, yeah, killer of sheep. Killer yeah. of sheep. Yeah, man. killer of sheep. Yeah. Actually, the brother in it, Henry. Uh, I'm not spacing on his last name. The main character in it is also the father figure in uh, Queen Sugar. Oh, uh, the older brother. Uh, yeah, what's so his name? Um, Keith David. Not Keith David. His I think it's. Yeah, is his real name Henry Sanders? I feel like his name is Henry Sanders. Now okay. we get all my facts and stuff mixed up. But but yeah, anyway, Killer Sheep, just gorgeous. I yearn to see films like that that I don't know, that capture us. Uh, yeah. in a way that I, you know, that that you know, doesn't doesn't make us a lampoon society. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or make us society only stricken by grief. Yeah. Or make a society that only looks through, you know, has to look through a substance to find joy. You know, yeah. I don't know about all that, you know. So I think, you know, Killer Sheep is a, it's a guy who works in the slaughterhouse, you know. Oh, He's got a job. Yeah, I'm going yeah. to I'm gonna have to check that out. Just yeah. and, and, you know, I, I just I love black movies when they are just stories yeah. about, you know, yeah. regular life. So that's dope. Yeah, that's dope. Yeah. I'm gonna have yeah. to check that out. I think you like it. Yeah, yeah I'm gonna have to check that out. Like yeah, yeah, no yeah. doubt. I will. Well, brother Jason, it was it was great talking to you. Can you tell you everybody do. where they can find you? Yeah, um, you can <laughs> you can find me. Uh, I know on, that question. I, guess, uh, I know, I know yes, that question. No, no. <laughs> you, you, so you'll be lucky if you can find me. How about that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, remember, yo, I, had, I had one episode. I had uh, Digo from London over here. And I'm like, hey, Digo. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, brother, where can they find you at? What do you mean where, where they can find me? I'm like, no, brother. I mean, like, social media. <laughs> <laughs> now you can find me on uh, I'm on Instagram at the Jason Moran and on let's say on Twitter at uh, more than 88 yeah <laughs> okay dope and on Bandcamp oh yeah, yeah. my gosh yeah. yeah and on Bandcamp yeah Bandcamp uh, Jason Moran on Bandcamp yeah that's, that's um, important yeah, yeah. 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 Go to, that's go important to... thank yeah. you yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's what the music actually is yeah yeah, yeah. yeah that's very um, important yeah. brother yeah that's very important I appreciate you coming on the show, brother. Take care. Take it easy. Oh, man. That was a great, great conversation with the brother, Jason Moran. Don't forget to check him out on Bandcamp and support this brother. He has some great music. And don't forget to hit him up also on Twitter and on Instagram. And don't forget to hit us up. That is the Audio Trip Podcast on Instagram and on Twitter, and on Facebook. And don't forget to hit us up on our website at www.audiotrippodcast.com. People, we will be back for a third season, I believe right after this summer. Got to get this music out. Don't forget to hit us up, though. We all still be posting and rocking out with y'all. This is your man, JS, and this is the Audio Trip Podcast. Peace.